0: Welcome to the Journey to Paid Speaking Gigs podcast, where we focus on how to find your voice, develop your message, so that you can get consistently paid speaking gigs that generate income. Not only are you going to learn how to find your voice, but you're going to hear from professionals in the industry who are making a powerful impact, sharing their story, and impacting lives. As a speaker and mindset expert, I'm really big on showing people how to win. But i'm also on a mission of helping new speakers get on stage so that they can share their story and get paid to impact people's lives so i created a free event list that are looking for speakers in 2021 if you're looking to tap into the market and build a profitable speaking business i have high quality leads for new and and up-and-coming speakers to get booked in 2021 all you have to do is head to the charles clark forward slash who Dash, hires-motivational-speakers dash, dash, the link is in the show notes so let's get back to the show what's up tribe welcome to the journey to pay speaking gigs podcast I'm your host Charles Clark and today I have Sally Helgeson on with us today Sally welcome to the show
1: thank you Charles wonderful to be
0: here so I'm excited to talk with you as an expert speaker before we get started, let the Thrive Tribe know, who is Sally Helgeson? Uh,
1: Sally so, um, I'm an author, speaker, and leadership coach. I've been doing this part of my career for the last 32 years, that is, um, speaking particularly. Uh, and I tend to speak about the books I write. And uh, it really started in the, uh, about 19. Uh, Eighty nine, uh, I pulled out. A, I published a book called *The Female Advantage: Women's Ways of Leadership*, mm-hmm. which was the first book that focused on what women had to contribute as leaders, rather than how they needed to change and adapt. And there wasn't anything out out there like that at the time, so it wasn't a crowded space. So companies right away began. Um, began calling me and asking me to speak or do workshops or just come in and talk to their women. And um, because of the background I had, I knew it was something that I could do and wanted to do. So I learned uh, I learned by doing.
0: Mm. So tell me about the story of how did that all transpire? You arriving to an actual stage from speaking on leadership (laughs) to impacting people's lives. How did that all arrive to you saying, well, this is what I'm supposed to do.
1: You know, I've thought about it recently and I realized that I had almost a premonition of it before it started. Before I got into this field and, you know, became a women's leadership expert and, you know, somebody that companies wanted to bring in or associations or colleges or universities. Before that, I was actually working as a speechwriter mm-hmm. uh, for the five years before that. I'd been a journalist previously, loved speechwriting, and I did a lot of executive, you know, presentations, often at big conferences. And I remember being, this was probably about 87, I was writing, I'd written uh, some speeches for a couple executives at IBM, and we were out at a big resort in Palm Springs, Mm -hmm. and And uh, they had really famous speakers on at the time. They had Lou Holtz. He was Notre Dame's football coach at that time. And there was this guy who got up on stage. I don't even remember his name, but he was an academic somewhere. And he was just talking about world history and its impact on issues now. And he was a really good speaker. And it was very interesting, and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't a big profile. You know, he wasn't a politician or a football coach or anything, but he had a lot to say, and he presented very well. Mm. And I looked at him, and I thought, you know, I could do that. I'd rather be writing speeches for myself than these executives (laughs) watching them butcher them. So um, I, it, it was just in the back of my mind. I had no idea of. You know, it wasn't a formulated purpose. I'm going to take these steps and then end up being like him. But when uh, two years later, The Female Advantage came out, and I did begin to get calls, you know, Mm. and at first it wasn't paid, I was just out there promoting a book. And I began to get calls. I thought, I'm going to do some of the things he did. And I remembered his presentation style. Uh, also, he had these handouts, you know, with brochures, his speaking topics and all that. And of course, we didn't have, you know, we weren't online then. Yeah. So it was all hard copy. So I just um, kind of followed that. And it, it's really funny to me as I look back on it that it was, I think that premonition really shaped my career mm. and gave me the, the, The idea that this, you know, speaking along with writing was where I wanted to be.
0: Yeah. Isn't it just amazing how we get this little nudge inside of us to to Mm -hmm. do something and and show up in some capacity? And then by us showing up, it could lead to us doing something that we never thought about doing before, speaking on the (laughs) stage or whatever the case might have been.
1: Yeah, it was interesting because when I was a little kid, I wanted to be an actress and then I came to New York. <laughs> this yeah. is in 1968. And, um, when I came to New York and I didn't realize how brutal the interviewing, you know, the, 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 um, the tryout process would be and it was really nasty and i wasn't prepared for it i was you know a girl from kalamazoo went (laughs) to catholic school and had a big smile on my face and uh, i realized it wasn't for me so that's when i Mm -hmm. started writing and it it was you know then i once i got on stage i thought okay this is now i understand why i had that ambition as a little kid
0: Wow. Wow. So let's take a little break real quick, because yeah. I'm always interested in understanding, all right, why do speakers have what they have in the background? So tell me tell me about the background you got going on. I know we got some podcast listeners listening in and you can't see it, but you can take a look at it on YouTube. But kind of tell me about the, the background.
1: Well, I will. You know, I, I was very lucky. I. I, until the pandemic, I spent about 45 weeks a year on the road because I was interna- speaking internationally. All of a sudden, boom, March 10th of 2020, it was over. Mm. And I was very lucky because I'd had a bookca- this bookcase built in, in my um, my home office in February. So it was a really nice bookcase, and I filled it up with books because I'm a writer. I got a lot of books. Yeah. So it was jammed with books. And then in about... Um, April when Biden was starting to take off and he was doing all his uh, zooming from the basement. And I read an analysis in the Washington Post that said Biden is not serving himself well because he has all books. It's all books. So there's no air. And they showed a screenshot and they said, this is what President Obama's bookcase looked like on a recent uh, Zoom call he did with I don't know who. So there was this great picture of Obama and he got this background where he had some pictures and smart and various things and lots of books, but it was broken up. And my husband's a, an artist and a designer. And I took the screenshot of Obama and said, look, look at Obama's bookcase i want you to duplicate this for me and he did (laughs) he just took stuff we had around the house but he really looked at the design and so that's um you know i ripped off barack obama here so come on
0: a little inspiration (laughs) never hurts right like if you're gonna gonna copy somebody make sure you copy the right cat
1: (laughs) exactly You're, you're not kidding
0: so so tell me about the the most memorable experience that you had on the stage where were you and what happened that day
1: you know, I guess the most mem- memorable experience I had was a really bad one. Um, I was doing a program for S.C. Johnson Corporation mm-hmm. in um, I was in Racine, Wisconsin, at beautiful, uh, a beautiful, very architecturally famous facility they have there. I was excited about it because it was the start, according to the guy who called me, of a number of things that they wanted me to do with them. So I felt very good about it. Mm-hmm. And um And I passed out on the stage. And it was very, very challenging to do that. And uh, I think my blood sugar dropped. I'd been a little bit sick. And it was, it felt terrible. I was being well paid, felt like a jerk. I was, I got some water. It was funny because there were a lot of nurses in the audience uh-huh. audience so they saw what happened to me and then bringing me orange juice and this that and the other and i was able to recover enough to sit down and deliver the rest of my talk whoa but <laughs> it what happened beca- after that was yeah. i got, i had to deal with For the first time, with fear. Mm -hmm. I had never been a fearful speaker. From the time I walked on, I don't know what it was. I didn't get stage fright. I didn't, whatever. But I went through about a year where I, before I would speak, I would get this, you know, feeling of flutter and start worrying that I was going to pass out. And it was really hard to deal with. Yeah. And what I did helped me as a speaker going forward, I decided that what I needed to do was every time I went out on stage, I would remember an engagement that had been very successful. And I would remember every single detail of it. Mm. And I would just put my body and my mind in that situation.
0: Yeah.
1: And, it really, really worked. And what was helpful is that I learned that as a speaker, and I think I already knew this, but not as articulated, that you never focus on anything negative. Somebody in the back isn't paying attention, they're on their cell phone, whatever, there's noise, people are leaving, you know, because the schedule, excuse me, whatever it is, you don't focus on anything that could undermine you. You just focus on if there's one person here, if there's one person who can benefit, mm. uh, if there's one person I reach, I have done my job. And so you only let in the good. And yeah. that has served me really well.
0: Dwelling on the positive. Yes. I, I think with a, a lot of things, like we're all going to have fear, right? But my my method to learning to be a a better version of yourself each day is choosing to step closer to that fear to truly figure out who you are right and in us doing that we really understand like yo fear has no power over you and maybe it can just be a sign of you understanding that this is the place that you're supposed to be i I love the fact that you rose amongst the challenge of adversity Because yeah. <laughs> if you would have stopped then, I mean, who, who would you be now? You know? And the, the bravery to to be resilient in that. And so try th- you might have a fear in in speaking. You you might feel like it's it's overwhelming and you might not know where to start exactly, but step more into it. Because just yeah. like Sally, you know, yeah. you, you can rise, you can thrive. So tell me top three things. I know you kind of hinted on one of them. Top three things a speaker should never do.
1: Oh, should never do. A speaker should, and this won't be in any order, but a speaker should never let someone who's grandstanding, negative, or trying to make some private point hijack the event. This is something you really need skill to do because I have presented with people co-presented with people who let the whole thing go off the rails by letting someone who's standing up and making a long point and going on and saying, yeah, but you didn't answer my question, or they're getting off the topic. And I've seen experienced speakers not deal with this well. Mm -hmm. And I realized early on, you, your your audience didn't come to hear that person. Mm-hmm. They didn't come to hear that person. And your job is to protect them from having to listen to that person. It happens almost every time you give a talk. Yeah. Um, not, not so much in corporate because people are on their best behavior. Their boss might be in the room. <laughs> but when you do anything public, yeah. uh, there's, uh, there are always people who are kind of trying to grandstand it and, mm-hmm. and, and hijack it. Uh, In that way, whether that's their intention, but that's the you know potential result. So you need to protect people. That's your job. That's part of the job you're doing. Mm -hmm. Secondly, I think you need to just because you're standing on the stage doesn't mean you're an expert on everything. (laughs) And I see a lot of people make this mistake. And this is something I really learned from my friend and colleague Marshall Goldsmith. If you don't have some expertise on it if you don't have something important to say yeah and you know somebody asks you a question just say that's not my field that's not Mm -hmm. my area of expertise you know because a lot of time okay women's my field is women's leadership and inclusive leadership how companies can build more inclusive cultures that work for everyone and those can be kind of broad but people will often ask me you know, story, uh, uh, questions that have to do with compensation or paid leave issues or something. I don't know anything about. It's totally boring to me. So, for to stay and early in my career, I would kind of try to say something interesting or something profound. Mm. That was probably somewhat beside the point. But I think it's really important to just focus on what your expertise is and don't try to go beyond the boundaries of it, so that yeah. you appear. Knowledgeable I want when to feed, you're on
0: stage. Yeah, I want to feed back on that uh, a little bit because I kind of related to like track. Uh, I, I was a world-class athlete, and yeah. if you put me anything outside of a sprint, it ain't gonna be good, Sally. <laughs> it's not gonna be yeah. good, all right. You gonna be like, like, who is this guy running this mile, and why is he in dead last? Why are people lapping him, right? And and in that same regard. When when you get on the stage as a speaker, you have to know your lane and your lane is always going to have a problem that you're solving for people. Right. You got to you got to understand what that is. And when you begin to venture outside of that, that's when you begin to lose yourself. And when you lose yourself, you lose your authority and the ability. to right.
1: You know, Charles, you're so right because people will move outside their lane because they want to establish their authority, and all it does is undermine it because they don't really have anything special yeah. to say. So that you know, not knowing your lane could be kind of a shorter way of of me making making that that second point. Yeah. And the third thing, and this is what I've really learned from from trial and error, is that your impact on people is what matters Mm -hmm. less than your specific content yeah so as a speaker and I speak for myself especially having come at this as a speech writer you get very focused on your content and should this point come before that point and what's the logical flow here etc and is this the right place for this story um but that's that's not really serving your audience mm-hmm. you, you want to focus everything on what does this audience want what what is going to be useful to them when they leave the room what is the one thing you will that you that they can take away yeah and that's not that is sort of beyond exactly what your content is mm. you want your content to be you know, obviously, if the yeah. content is boring and, and anodyne and everybody's heard it before or stupid, no, you know, it's not going to work. Yeah. But they're less there for the content than the experience and that one thing that they can build on going forward.
0: Mm, mm, so, so true. I believe that we need other speakers in this world to, to be second, right? And I know that's like, so contradicting to me being a, a, a world class athlete and, and being competitive, but when you get on that stage, whether you're in leadership in some form of leadership, and I know people are listening on LinkedIn, we have to learn to be second, right? And and us putting other people <laughs> and, and us putting ourselves second, we give other people the ability to win. We give people the ability, we lead people to success, right? And I think as speakers, that's what we need to learn how to do. When you're reading that message, like how can I put myself second, right? And I think even when we talk about the fear and how sometimes that gets in the way of us wanting to present, like if I'm second in the nature of impacting people, then I can overcome that fear every single time.
1: That's exactly right. When it's all about you, that fear is going to crop up. You know, am I doing a good job? Did I remember every point, Uh, et et cetera? And what I've Mm -hmm. learned is the best response, the response I I most value that I get from people is you helped me so much. The response I least value is, wow, you're a wonderful speaker, Mm -hmm. because that's not saying anything about the impact that I had on them.
0: So true. So there's a lot of coaches who listen to this podcast and maybe they've been thinking about getting into the speaking industry. So I know that you're a leadership coach and you're a speaker as well. What made you say that you want to take your personalized coaching to impact people with, I guess, in a a massive way?
1: Well, it really, for me, it came the other way around because the female advantage pulled me out there into the speaking world right away with no experience, no really idea that that this was going to happen. So, I, I've been speaking professionally and pretty much basically earning my living from that because, mm-hmm. you know, books aren't that lucrative Yeah. Um, since 1990. And it was later, about 14 or 15, that I decided to expand what I was doing also into coaching mm-hmm. um, because I found myself doing a lot of informal coaching so it took some training and you know now it's 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 something that i love and it's a really good balance i think for speaking but for me the speaking came first and i you know i consider myself an author first a speaker second and um Mm. and a and a coach third uh but that doesn't imply different levels of of commitment it was just really how the career evolved
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. Thanks for sharing that. So, one speaker that you respect in the game and what's that one question you'll want to ask them?
1: Oh, wow. I wish I'd been prepared for this. <laughs> um a speaker I really, you know, I I I will tell you that and I, I maybe she comes to mind because I just read her LinkedIn post on speaking yesterday is Tiffany Dufu. She's a young woman, much younger than I am, who published her last book at the same time I published How Women Rise. And she's a fabulous speaker. She's mm-hmm. just a terrific speaker. And she has a really magnetic presence. Look her up if you don't know, her. you may have had her on the show. Yeah. But uh, she has a very magnetic presence. And I would just, I don't, I can't think of anything she does that I'd, I'd like to understand. But I would just like to know how she got so comfortable on stage. Yeah. Uh, because she, that's part of her power. Mm-hmm. She's very dramatic looking and gorgeous and young. But she she has this, um, she has this comfort on the stage that I find quite remarkable mm. and um so i would just like to ask her if she has any little tricks on that
0: oh that's that's cool so before we go i really enjoyed today's conversation with you sally but before we go where can the try find you
1: oh well certainly on linkedin that's my uh social media uh venue of choice i like it because it's positive <laughs> everybody right. says good things about each other um and uh, my um my website sallyheltheison dot com.